0: one, basic hip. Welcome to the jazz session. I'm Jason Crane. The jazz session is presented by allaboutjazz.com, the web's leading source for jazz news, reviews, MP3 downloads, and more. I think if someone burst into my room at 3 a.m., well, probably I'd still be awake. But maybe 5 a.m., when it's more likely I'd be asleep, woke me up and said, "Welcome to the jazz session." I'm Jason Crane. I would immediately launch into the little spot for all about jazz flawlessly i think i've now said it so many times but anyway go check them out all about jazz.com you can also go to the jazz where you'll find every episode of this show i'm i'm telling you people it's uh, it's nuts i don't even know why i do that but they're all there for free and you can download them if you want you can play them right on the little thing there the the, the web i think the kids are calling it uh you can also go to itunes Or you can use an RSS reader, and the links for all of those things are right there at thejazzsession.com. There's also a Facebook page for The Jazz Session and a Twitter account, twitter.com slash jazzsesh, S-E-S-H. And please, you know, follow all those various social media things. And importantly, if you are currently a member of the Facebook group, the existing Facebook group for The Jazz Session that's been going for a couple of years now, Facebook, you know, is rapidly becoming MySpace. And so as part of their goal to remove everything useful from Facebook, they are changing the way groups work, and therefore the Jazz Sessions group is going to go away. And so... You can either like the Facebook page, you can follow The Jazz Session on Twitter, you can subscribe in an RSS reader, but a great thing to do is to join the mailing list, which is an email mailing list. It's exactly the same thing I've been sending out on Facebook. You get one a week on Monday morning that tells you who's going to be on the show and usually has some other little tidbits from me. And you can join that email mailing list at thejazzsession.com. You'll just see on the top of the page, it says mailing list. The thing about that, the mailing list is the only thing I actually control. The fate of, uh, you know, Facebook and Twitter, anything could happen there, and I could lose my access to you all. But the uh, mailing list is just an email mailing list that I administer, uh, you know, on my own, and I actually control whether it lives or dies. So it would be great if you would join the mailing list uh, for that purpose because then I'll always be able to reach you and you won't have to worry about being at the mercy of Facebook or Twitter or any other huge, you know, multinational media conglomerate other than the one I hope to form. And then we'll just all bets are off at that point. So, today on the show, oh, before I, I'm always ready to leap into the show before I thank anybody. Uh, please support the Respect Sextet. They record fantastic music, all of which is available online at respectsextet.com, and they're often out and about. Around the world uh, playing their music And you should go see them because they're great And there's uh, going to be a live album coming out Before too long And uh, you know more studio records But there's a ton of stuff already released And all of it is really worth listening to uh, Just interesting, fun, funny music uh, Made by a, a bunch of cool guys also, if you're on the Twitter, please do go to twitter.com slash Dave Vrabel, V-R-A-B-E-L. He designed the show's logo. And in addition to designing things, he's also very, very funny. And is one of those people who tweets – there aren't many of these – one of those people who tweets and generally makes me laugh out loud once a week, which is a, a rare gift, and I'm always happy about it. So uh, follow Dave, and you'll be happy that you did. What else? Oh, geez, what else? This is show maybe 274. Let's say it's 274. I'm not actually sure what number it is as I'm recording this intro. Let's say it's 274. So that would mean that there are 26 shows left until number 300. And I need like 60 members to reach my goal of 100 members by the 300 show. The countdown is on, kids. I'm telling you, if this thing is going to go as a viable concern here, the jazz session, uh, I mean, 100 members by the 300 show, 100 members doesn't actually pay. The bills a <laughs> hundred members doesn't come close to uh the financial level that I would actually need this show to be at to to be you know a job, but a hundred members would keep the show afloat, which would be great. Uh, and so I really need you to become a member I know that many of you have heard this pitch many, many, many times and are not members Because there are 30-something people who have become members So, And there are thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of you who listen to this show So I really need you to become a member I mean, it's, you can do it for as little as $10 a week And for some of you, as I always say, for some of you, $10 a week Trust me, I'm renting a room from a guy I understand that $10 a week can be a stretch for some people but, if you are not like me at the you know absolute nadir of your your career and your economic life, then uh, I would recommend finding that ten dollars a week in the couch cushions or uh, diverting it from the make the guy who owns Starbucks Richer Fund. Just you know, one time or two times a week, and you'll come up with ten bucks, which you can give to the Jazz Session. It's super easy to do, and you can become a member at thejazzsession.com. I would love to keep doing this show, and if the feedback from the listeners and the artists and the jazz community is any indication, you would like this show to exist too. And in order for that to happen, you have to become a member. That's all there is to it. So please do that right now at thejazzsession.com/slash/join. Thanks. Now on to this week's guest. Check this out for a biography took his first trumpet lessons from Louis Armstrong. And then the next trumpeter he met was Miles Davis. That's Eddie Henderson. And Eddie Henderson became a medical doctor. He became a professional trumpet player who has recorded with everyone and with whom everyone has recorded. Uh, And he also was professional in yet another area, totally unconnected from either medicine or music that to be honest i found a little bit shocking and you'll hear about what that is in this interview so this is a guy who has been at the top of at least three different games in his life and uh, he just he couldn't be any more well adjusted and down to earth and nice you know one of those people you think the guy the guy would be totally justified in feeling pretty haughty about himself and he just couldn't have been any nicer So uh, please check out Eddie Henderson, and Eddie Henderson is part of the uh, ongoing Monday series of The Cookers, of which I guess there are three more shows for uh, David Weiss, who put The Cookers together, and who's been on the show before, and he'll be on next week, and then uh, Billy Hart and Craig Handy, and I think that's the order in which they will appear. Uh, Neither of those interviews are booked, but I think we're pretty close on Billy Hart and I'll just tell you we're pretty close on Craig Handy because it makes us all feel better. So those three shows are coming up, and each week I've been giving away a copy of the Cookers' new album signed by all the members of the Cookers, which is pretty cool, right? I mean, that's – so Cecil McBee, Billy Hart, Craig Handy, David Weiss, uh, Billy Harper, George Cables, Eddie Henderson. All of those signatures are on the CDs, and you can have one this week if you're the first person to send an email to contest. At the jazz session.com, that's contest at the jazz session.com with cookers in the subject line. Okay, got it? And this is a podcast, it's not the radio, so if you didn't get it, just, you know, rewind a couple seconds and it'll be there again. All right, so here's Eddie Henderson from the Cookers album, Cast the First Stone. <music> My guest is trumpeter and composer Eddie Henderson, and uh, it's, it's such an honor and a pleasure to have you on the show. Thank oh, you for it's being been here. Oh, nice
1: to have you here, too.
0: This uh, this fits into this series that's been running for uh, about a month now of interviewing the members of the band, The Cookers, and uh, mm-hmm. we'll spend most of the time talking about you and your incredible career. But I thought maybe we could start just talking about your experience in The Cookers and what it's been like playing uh, with those gentlemen, whom, with cook- many of whom you've known for years. Oh, <laughs> absolutely,
1: absolutely. You know, I've, I've played with all of them, uh, Individually in other contexts, other bands, but this particular uh, uh, band is, uh, uh, you know, they're all my peers and it's nice to be playing together at, at, at this point in time. Uh, and age <laughs> uh, so it 's fortunate that we 're all still playing and playing well, and uh, so it 's really an honor for me to be playing uh with that organization. you know the chemistry is right we 're all good friends, and that helps to play music <laughs> absolutely you know
0: yeah w- would you say a little bit more about that i 'm interested in that the kind of personal side and uh
1: of course uh, you know uh, it 's so important uh, uh, uh to have a, a good rapport with the musicians you're playing with, you don't want to have any animosity on on the bandstand because definitely that will come out through the music. Sure. And there's certainly no animosity with any of the members uh, of of the Cookers. Uh, you know, we've gone through the same, uh, uh, tread through the same path musically, coming up. You know, playing with different artists here and there, and we all respect each other. And uh, I think that comes forth. Through the music of the Cookers, you can hear the warmth, uh, the compassion, the love, and and the camaraderie uh, that's exemplified through the music. You know, so it's the music speaks for itself. Absolutely. Know? Where we don't see each other individually that often, so it's really a pleasure when we do get gigs uh, every now and then uh, to get together and share life experiences and and musical experiences at the same time. It's it's really. Uh, a fun experience.
0: And uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but my guess would be that for someone like you who has had Mm -hmm. just such a stellar career and Mm -hmm. has been there really as this music has has grown up, Mm -hmm. uh, there must be kind of a, a small group of people who share that kind of life experience with whom you can really... Say, do you remember how this was? And they actually get Oh, do. absolutely. We, we,
1: we, every time we get together, we tell war stories. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah, man, I heard that 10 times. <laughs> okay, sorry. I got Alzheimer's now. I forgot. <laughs> oh, that's great. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I'm hoping that most people who are listening to this show most of whom are are jazz fans uh will know about your your story mm-hmm. um which is which is just I mean incredible you've you've been there for so many of the seminal moments in this music yeah. and I wonder do you feel like was there a, a kind of a point in your development where you felt you had kind of come into your own as a with a voice and a conception
1: Well you know uh Over the years, you know, uh, when I was very young, I I used to look up to my my heroes, who are my, you know, uh, people who came before me, and get inspired by them. And, you know, as I get older, I say, wow, (laughs) who am I now? I would emulate different artists that I admired. But then you reach a certain point in your life, you know, you emulate this person and that person, but you have to. To realize that those people who you're emulating, emulated their forefathers too. So it's like passing the baton. So it's so important uh, uh, when you get uh, uh, older or more mature as a musician, you realize that you have a responsibility to pass the baton to the people coming up uh, uh, after you. You know, So you have to be uh, really serious about the, the, the craft and the art form and... Recognize that you have to have uh, your own personal voice, the things you've accumulated in the past, and put it together as a collage to pass on to the upcoming generations. So, uh, you, 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 it's it's not really a conscious decision. It happens very insidiously and gradually uh, that you formulate your own musical voice, uh, which you got. Uh, as, as an assimilation from the people who came before you so you have something valid to pass on to the upcoming generations.
0: saying that reminds me, just a couple weeks ago I talked to Cecil McBee, who was just on the show this week mm-hmm. and one of the things he said, he talked about being the product of everything he'd heard yeah. and that over the years part of his process of maturation was to absorb but then try to remove oh, the direct influence of what absolutely. he had heard.
1: Absolutely. I, I remember that, uh, <laughs> I tell this story so many times, that uh, when I was coming up, you know, Miles Davis stayed at my parents' house and I was just in awe of him Uh, You know, even though Louis Armstrong was my first teacher in life, uh, in person, first two lessons... Because uh, my mother was in the original Cotton Club, and she knew him. and so he. But I was nine years old. I had no idea who this man was. So it really didn't register. I was too young. But when I met Miles Davis, I tried to emulate or really imitate him, you know, uh, listen to his records and play just like him with the record. And then he heard me play one time at my parents' house, and he was <laughs> very cute about it. He, he smiled and said, you sound good, Eddie. But that's me. <laughs> I said, wow. <laughs> I hear you know, they're back to the drawing board. Then I found out a little later that his influence, who he copied, was a, a gentleman named Freddie Webster. Not that many people know about him because uh, he didn't record that much, uh, but sound, style, concept, everything – Uh, uh, that Freddie Webster did was where Miles got his concept and sound from and style and so when Miles saw me the next time he asked me "Uh, are you still playing like me Eddie I said you mean Freddie Webster he said oh (laughs) shit he said I didn't know you was hip to that and he said whispered in my ear he said everybody's the thief I just made a short term loan So that's a nice way of putting it. Absolutely. you Absolutely. Know? So for somebody to realize that, like Cecil said, uh, uh, his uh, musical character is things he's assimilated and put together, and and now that's his his uh, voice. You know, people tell me they say, "Eddie, I like your style." My style, all the things I've stolen from other people and kind of scotch tape them together, and that's my style. As with everybody else in this particular art form, that's. That's how it goes, you know.
0: Is that a conscious process? Over the years, do you hear, okay, this is a piece of someone, and now this is how I'm going to integrate it into what well, I play?
1: Well, you know, if I hear a lick that I like, you know, I whoa, I, I. I, I Transcribe it in my head, sure, and uh, or write it down and figure it out what the notes are, and then try to play it with the record. Just what I used to do, play with the record, so I get the actual authentic uh, uh, phrasing and everything and the vernacular of how the master did it, and then I imitate it. You know, so because you know music is a language, and I'm, I'm just getting pieces of vocabulary here and there. Because it's funny, I asked Miles Davis when I first met him, I said, I'm, I was amazed. You know, he'd close his eyes and all this music would come out. I said, well, how do you learn how to play in the beginning? He smiled and said, he said, you know, learn as many licks as you can and then scotch tape them together. <laughs> <laughs> Before you know it, you're speaking the language, sure. you know. You might not understand the grammar of it, but you at least you can converse with other musicians and that 's how uh, but nowadays you know they have uh, Berkeley School of Music Juilliard blah blah so many other institutions that 's great but in those days, there was no institutions it was shoulder shoulder contact and you, you and and the whole uh, strength of jazz in the past was everybody had a, a individual personal sound or signature through their sound or their phrasing or whatever. Nowadays, the schools are great, but they show you the notes, but it's kind of a little far removed, a, a little short distance away from the actual phrasing, uh, and the vernacular of the language. You know, you can say a certain word in Japanese and it means two different things, kawaii or kawaii.
2: Right. You know? <laughs> Which <laughs> cute, means scary or, or cute. Scary. Right. Yeah, exactly.
1: <laughs> <laughs> you know? So depending on the phrasing, it has a different meaning. And, 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 hopefully that will be instituted in the institutions but i don't know how because uh you have to have been there you know and show the show and and heard it you can't thank god for records you can kind of hear it you know but it, it just not uh, uh you can't learn how to play jazz off a piece of paper well,
0: you're yeah. an educator. You teach at Juilliard. And mm-hmm. how do you – is there something that you tell your students about bridging that gap between what's on the piece of paper and what will actually make them individual
1: musicians? Well, m- no more than what I just said right now. Sure. You, you have listen to the records and the people that you like touches your musical heart string. You know, play with the record. You know, and try to emulate not, – not imitate, emulate. You know, br- bring it up to the present. You know, be aware of their phrasing, incorporate it into your own character, and then don't play it exactly like that. That's just uh, only one way they did it on one chorus. Right. They did it a million different (laughs) ways. So realize that. So what I'm saying to you right now is how I, you know, uh, try to teach uh, that, that aspect of the art form uh, at Juilliard, and know? it
0: sounds like nothing replaces the bandstand when it comes. Mm-hmm. It sounds like nothing can replace the bandstand when it Absolutely comes right not. down to
1: it. It's it's on the job training. You know, you could re- learn all the uh, uh, harmony, counterpoint, and all that stuff inside out. And but then when you, there's another level that I allude to when I'm teaching at Juilliard to the to the students a little more advanced. I said, learn all this that you've learned at Juilliard. And as Herbie Hancock taught me and also Joe Henderson, they practice just basics. then when they get to the bandstand, they listen to the band. <laughs> because if somebody makes a mistake, you know, what do you do? You know, say, hey, you're wrong and I'm right? Or make a compromise and, you know, uh, I say this with tongue and cheek. Play wrong together, and then that's right. <laughs> sure, because <laughs> <laughs> if, if you're right and I'm wrong, and everybody holds their ground, what about the music? It's a big gap, you know. So learn to learn to blend with people. You know, you you and I are walking down the street. If I stumble, <laughs> help me back up. <laughs> you know, so absolutely. Get up, Eddie. Everybody's looking at you. You know, what sure. I mean? <laughs> Same thing on the bandstand too. You know, if somebody makes a mistake. You know, don't vibe on them. You know. Uh, Kind of blend in and play something that uh, musically that will kind of bridge the gap where it doesn't sound wrong.
0: I'm a firm believer that in this day and age, listening is uh, m- needed more than ever, and maybe a skill that fewer and fewer people get taught as they're yeah, yeah, as they're yeah, coming th- this up. This
1: is true, yeah. Uh, and you know, it's, it's, I'm glad you brought that up because at Juilliard they have a a, a course or a seminar or class on listening, how to listen, <laughs> and and talking about the same things that we're talking about right now. And I, you know, I've taught at other schools and. Uh, in my experience, I've never uh, seen that, you mm. know. But the vision at, at Juilliard is is very uh, pleasing, and I'm happy to be there.
0: Yeah, uh, uh, I can't remember who, but a piano player who was on the show several months ago said, "You know, how often do you ever hear someone lay out?" for an entire chorus, for example, mm-hmm. rather than comping. And and how often do you hear someone who's willing to sacrifice themselves playing at that moment for the greater good Absolutely. of the music? Absolutely. Which seems like maybe that's something that comes with with some time and some
1: maturity. 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 You know, when when you're young, you wanna play everything all the time, you wanna be macho, you know, show that I'm strong, you know. But that's like if I talk all the time and you say, damn, when's this cat gonna take a breath? You know? <laughs> Same thing musically. You know, just like you and I sitting here. You talk, I listen. You know, I talk, you're listening. You know, that's music. Although there seems to be a separation,
0: uh, not necessarily a direct relationship between maturity and age, because if we look, Mm -hmm. you know, at the annals of jazz, I mean, there were a lot of great
1: records made by 19-year-olds. You know, that that kind of thing. Lee Morgan was 16 years old. Right. Book Little died when he was 23. Charlie Parker was at 34. All the music he played. You know, John Coltrane died when he was 40. Yeah. And then think of the, the music that he evolved uh, to. So it's, it's, it sounds like it's, it's a
0: maturation that can happen irrespective of how yeah. old you are. Right?
1: Yeah. But, you know, the, the, uh, since we opened that door, you know, in those days, all the masses we're talking about, th- th- those were creative periods. Uh, uh, the s- 60s, the 70s, the 50s, the 40s. You know it was a very active musical scene and on top of that there were institutions like uh, that young musicians i wouldn't even say come out of school young talented musician could join one of those institutions for example art blakey and the jazz messengers horace silvers group john coltrane's group or miles davis group and stay in th- those groups as an apprentice learn the art form uh, uh you know postgraduate style and then go out and be, become your own leader nowadays there are no institutions where young talented musicians who come out of school can join a, a major working band a major jazz group or, or a musical group i want to say, just say jazz, a major musical group where, where they can learn the higher aspects or more advanced levels of of the art form and so these kids graduate from Juilliard, say, with an uh, artist diploma. That's like a PhD or a master's from Juilliard. And then where are they going to work? That doesn't guarantee them a job. And so they get some gigs. But it's not like in the, uh, the, in the past where they join a major group and really learn how to play a melody and make it come alive, you know, with grown people. <laughs> 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 with grown ups. <laughs> it, it, in
0: your own life, was the uh, Herbie Hancock's Mondishi band, was that mm. that, that, that setting that for was, you?
1: That was the, the, the thing that, you know, I'd, I'd been playing all my life. Sure. Uh, uh, through uh, medical school, that's how I put myself through. Working gigs, you know, with local people in California and Washington, D.C. But then when I got that gig with Herbie Hancock, I said, whoa. I mean, I, I realized from the first time I walked in the bandstand, from the first tune, I said, oh, buddy, <laughs> here I am in, 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 in deep water. You know, and they were gracious enough to, uh, uh, you know, if, if I made a mistake, they'd say, Oh, you know, and <laughs> then cover it up and, and make me sound like I was, it was golden, like right. I was Gabriel on the horn <laughs> or something, you know. <laughs> and, and then I used to think, wow, I sure can play good. Then I'd sit in with somebody else and let's go. Whoops. Right. <laughs> the bottom would drop out. So the, to answer your question, that, that was my first experience of playing with some real heavyweights and they were all such loving human beings. I mean, they humiliated me, but you know, and and just to see if I would really want to play or not, mm-hmm. you know, and and to help me really grow. And if I'd get mad, they'd say, "Hey man, leave your personal feelings off the bandstand." Sure. <laughs> you know, don't bring your attitude or or your insecurities up here and and you know, you you can't teach that in school. Right. You have to get out and play with, hopefully, some loving people. (laughs) Because, you know, I remember when I first started playing, ooh, they were... You know, I didn't know what was happening, you know. I I saw people have fist fights in the bandstand because the guy didn't know the tune. This is like in the late 50s and stuff, you know. And I tried to sit in. I didn't know the tune. They stopped and said, hey, man, get off the bandstand, you know, with that bullshit, you know, because we're serious up here. And I started crying. I said, (laughs) well, uh, uh, what should I do? They they said, well, go home and practice. I said, practice what? I mean, I I thought it was just a free-for-all, just wiggle the keys and blow (laughs) it. I had no idea. They're, they're not for real. I mean, I could play the trumpet, but I didn't know anything about tunes or chords. Sure. You know, I just thought it was uh, fun and games. Uh, they said, man, get off the bandstand. And they strong on me physically. Threw me off the bandstand. And then so I, I learned that particular tune. And when I come back, now, okay, can we play that tune now? No, man, we just played it two tunes ago. They called something else. I didn't know. to Get off the bandstand, man. Nowadays, you know, kids go to jam sessions. And then I play, uh, for example, Little Sunflower, Freddie Hubbard's beautiful tune, it only has three chords. You know, they want to play that all night. That's not a learning experience. You you can't grow like that. You have to grow by being challenged and put, I won't won't say to the test, but there's certain things uh, 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 that you have to learn in the vocabulary of the music tradition, and if you don't know them, you don't belong up there, Mm. you know you 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 can't you, because the other people you know they're serious about it they don't have any time time for somebody to waste their time up there just profiling
0: It's it speaks to your own insight about who you who you were at that time and who you wanted to be. That when you were in those situations, whether in the Wandishi band or before that, mm-hmm. you realized when you were in over your head, and that there was work and discipline required oh, to move forward. I, maybe that's what separates the people who are going to make it from mm-hmm. the people who aren't going
1: to make yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's always work to be done, no matter what level you get to. You know, it's say thirty years ago. If I heard myself like I played now, i said, say, wow, that's the way I want to play. But I'm here right now. Mm-hmm. I feel like I'm just beginning. Just be- You're always learning. That's the beauty of the art form. No matter what door you open, what level you get up to, you open another door, and wow, you see the infinite again. And so back to the drawing board. Yeah. You know, you, you, you never, I don't, anybody says, I've made it. I, I, I'm at the top of the hill. Oh, yeah? You you hit this guy around the corner? <laughs> That's right. Check That's him the out. There's right behind you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> check him out. Whoops. <laughs> 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 what yeah. inspires you to keep opening doors? I guess, fortunately, just by the way that I was brought up uh, personally and me, uh, good genes You know, and and my fortunate life experiences that I encountered people that put the mirror of truth in front of me. Look, (laughs) like Billy Hart used to say, I said, yeah, uh, Billy, I played real good. Then he said, go home and uh, at the hotel, look in the mirror of truth, mirror, mirror on the wall. Who is the saddest of all? (laughs) And then my reflection, I said, whoops. (laughs) Don't get Billy said, don't get mad when you see yourself. And you ask that question, who's the saddest of all? You know, and the mirror looks and said, well, don't ask. <laughs> <laughs> you know, people like that who would make analogies and show me, you didn't play that good tonight, Eddie. Right. You know, you got a lot to work on, and you're right, you're right, you're right. Do you hear this cat over here?
0: <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. You... uh You said this before almost as a throwaway line, but Mm -hmm. people may not know that you also went to medical school, Mm -hmm. and that's another entire discipline which many people would Mm -hmm. say, I don't have time to both learn the discipline of becoming Mm -hmm. a a musician and the discipline of learning Mm -hmm. medicine, and you did both. And it seems not all that uncommon to find medical people who are also into music. There seems to be some connection there between those
1: ideas. Medicine and music. Uh, uh, go hand in hand. I think the thing that really got my discipline together is, not many people know that I was a competitive figure skater when I was a teenager. Also, the first black person on this planet to ever uh, compete in, 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 in figure skating championships. And I think that, because I was I was on the ice 5.30 in the morning every day, you know, the school figures, and the, not, not public sessions, but you know, just private sessions. Sure. And I thought that was my calling in life until I was about 19 years old and then i met miles but i ran into so much racial prejudice this is in the 50s and it kind of it didn't stop me from loving the sport and 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 pursuing it but then when i met miles davis i said ah you know i can do that double axles and all that kind of stuff but you guys who won't let me in the club can't do this wiggle my right. fingers <laughs> you know <laughs> but but in terms of discipline the figure skating the studying music uh teaches you Form, symmetry, mathematics, that's the discipline. So, you know, going to medical school was a piece of cake Mm. since I learned discipline at an early age. And I feel that uh, once you have acquired discipline at an early age, you can do any number of things. You know, that old adage that a person only should do one thing is archaic. You know, uh, you can do anything you want if you have discipline at an early age. I know a few friends of mine who do four major things, two or three of them. You know, I know other people who don't do anything, you know, uh, uh, on a high level. Sure. You know, uh, you know it d- depends on uh, your personality, where you want one thing, just want to enjoy life as a hobby. Things are a hobby. That's great. As long as you're happy. You know, other people are, are more, uh anal in their, right. <laughs> in, in their personalities and want perfection, you know, in everything they do. You know, but if you don't have discipline at an early age, it's very difficult to acquire uh, as you get older because there's so many more distractions in life. You really can't focus. The rent's due, the dogs, the babies crying. <laughs> you right. know, yeah, that's why I can't practice, you know.
0: Right, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I think it's safe to say that you are the only... uh Professional figure skater slash medical doctor slash trumpet player, whoever has been or ever will be, on the jazz session. I think you are in a category of one.
1: <laughs> is is my guess? Well, uh, that's a pretty interesting I, 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 don't, life. I don't know any others who <laughs> <laughs> figure skate jazz music, doctor. But but uh, I, I I don't want to say that there won't be any others because it's 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 really you know uh, a lonely. Life, you know, mm. I, I, I never went to any parties when I was in high school or college. Never went to party, you know, because I was all I was happy doing. What I I, I love figure skating. I love practicing the trumpet, you know, and I, I I was good in school, you know, and and uh but but you know, it's it's a lonely existence. People see you know artists out playing very well or doing any art form very well. They don't realize that. The practice involved in solitude by yourself every day in order to go out and appear in public and and, 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 and create those sounds is not just by magic. You know, it just takes hard work by yourself. Mm-hmm. Figure skating, you're, you're out there in midair twirling around upside down. Nobody can help you <laughs> if you are not focus in your mind, you know. Absolutely. And, and so to practice those, those art forms, figure skating, medicine, or music, you know, it, it, uh, the practice is done at home. Even athletes, that, you know, sprinters, you know, runners, uh, all those athletic events, uh, the basketball players, free throwing, you know, to get a high percentage of free throws, they're by themselves, Hour after hour, sure. So you, uh, you know, it's just a lonely existence. But people who uh, li- li- like the, I-, I tell students, why are you playing music for the fame and fortune of it, or for the love of the art form? If you're just doing it for fame and fortune, and you don't become famous, you're in for an acute psychotic depression, right? <laughs> you know. <laughs> However, if you're in the, for the art form, you might not have much money. You might not get that many gigs but you're happy just practicing for love of the art form yeah and 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 and, and that's priceless you can't buy that
0: It's funny you say the thing about it's a lot of time alone in the room. I, I was just talking with a musician friend last night uh, about that idea of the hours and hours alone in the room. And that there are, seems like there are s- some people who are s- able to successfully then enter society and be social people. <laughs> yeah, and, right. And then some people who, who don't, who may Absolutely. excel at the art form, but don't excel no at all the techniques. other things around. Yeah. No social So technique. to what do you attribute your ability to kind of move through the world and be a social being? <laughs>
1: Well, you know, a, a lot of people say, you know, say, "Wow, uh, it's wonderful what you've done, Eddie." You know, it's nice to meet you. Other people might say, you know, he's weird, <laughs> you know, or other <laughs> other words, <laughs> he's strange. Best being nice, right? He's an asshole. <laughs> You know, I've heard that. <laughs> so, well, I can't say you're wrong. You know, but look, man, I, I, you're interrupting my practice schedule. Right. I'll talk to you later. <laughs> you know, you can't help me. Sure.
0: Can you talk about some of the the projects with which you're involved besides uh, the Cookers Band? Some of your own projects.
1: Uh, uh, my own project. Well, I just did a, a, a record that came out about a year, last September. Mm-hmm. It was with John Scofield. Just uh, no piano. Myself, John Scofield. Uh, Doug Weiss and Billy Drummond. Uh, I'm very proud of it. It's called For All We Know on Furthermore Records. Other projects, um, just traveling all around the world, you know, uh, as a special guest or solo artist with different bands in Japan, bands in Europe, uh, and so forth. Because you know, nowadays with the airfares, it's I don't even think about taking my band in order to have a, you're a band you have to have an itinerary right? <laughs> and so my band you know to take them uh, uh, across the street you know is, is, it's not cost effective economically so mo- most musicians nowadays they don't have bands uh, they just travel you know by themselves uh, to Europe Japan and stuff and there's great musicians all around the world just take the music and bang sure, you know and play the music you know, and and that's what I do presently. You know, uh, and and other than teach Juilliard uh, when I'm in, you know, I have a quote, I just a few students there, and I, you know, fulfill the quota of lessons per semester. Mm-hmm. But mostly, I'm just freelancing all around the world. You know, concerts here and there, record dates when people call, and I've been, you know, so many great musicians who are not working. I feel so very fortunate. That, that I've, you know, the last four or five, five years, you know, look at my date book, uh, my calendar for the year, and it's all filled up looks like the New York phone book. You know, and I don't have a booking agent, you know, or, or, or a manager. I can manage myself, and, and I, why should I give somebody else 25% of the money I make all year when all I just pick up the phone and dial? Oh, right. And, but I've been fortunate that I've been in the business you know, long enough to And have longevity People keep calling, you know All all year round And my date book is filled up But I've been working so much That um, I'm really thinking about n- Not accepting everything like I used to mm-hmm. You know, I, I really don't need the money Because uh, I don't want to have A whole bunch of money in the, in the bank And have a heart attack and die from stress You know yeah, I like to, I want to enjoy life too I enjoy, I, I can't think of anything else I'd rather do than what I do. That's a pretty amazing place to be. That about sums that that up. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Do you find that uh, traveling the world and playing with so many different musicians helps you keep going through those doors that you talked about earlier, keep pushing yourself in all those situations?
1: (laughs) Uh, Yes, yes. Because, you know, traveling to Japan, playing with Japanese people, hearing Japanese music... uh, uh, I've been to uh, India three times, mm. hearing Indian music, playing with Indian musicians all over Europe, Scandinavia, Russia, uh, Southeast Asia. And in terms of opening doors, I see, you know, I'm exposed to different elements of, uh, uh, of, of music, not just uh, uh, quote-unquote jazz you know, music of of the world, and I think you know, in in language, you know, the more vocabulary you learn, uh, you know, you you speak Japanese, so mm-hmm. the more vocabulary you learn, the more it widens your your scope of of uh, expression. Absolutely. You know, so uh, that help by traveling helps uh, uh, you know increase uh, uh, my scope and also open those doors. Of, of learning.
0: And my experience of hearing jazz in other countries and both in those countries and just mm-hmm. jazz coming from other countries, it's interesting to me because there are a lot of people who in other countries who grew up playing jazz not necessarily connected to the blues mm-hmm. but with their own, you know, almost like their own dialect of the yeah, jazz yeah, language e- exactly. which is really fun to hear. E-
1: exactly. You know, it's almost it's, oh, it's become like world music and not quote-unquote unquote, jazz like in the bebop idiom, right. you know. A lot of people just want to keep it in the bebop idiom. You know, well, if you want to stay there, fine, stay there. <laughs> you know. Um, and you never did that. I mean, right
0: from the beginning, you... I don't mean you never played bebop. I mean, you you mm-hmm. never seemed bound stylistically. You just seemed to go where you... Well, I kind of... What you heard. I
1: kind of watched Miles Davis's evolution, how he kept changing and and uh, didn't stay in one place. For, for example, like... John Coltrane. Look at from from the time he was in Miles Davis in '58, and he just died in in '67. This the scope of music that he went to. It's unbelievable, you know, yeah. unreal. You know, unbelievable. And uh, watching those role models kind of showed me, wow, you know, don't, don't don't let the grass grow beneath your, your feet. Mm-hmm. You know, keep moving. I, I remember McCoy Tyner uh, uh, told me he asked... John Coltrane, uh, what should he do? And, and and McCoy looked at me and said that John looked at him and said, "Keep moving." <laughs> you don't talk about just musically. Yeah. keep moving. <laughs> yeah, don't stay in one place. That's good wow. advice for every facet of absolutely. your life. Right? Absolutely, yeah. absolutely, keep moving. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and you find some doors to open. <laughs> yeah. Exactly.
0: You uh, you've mentioned several of the people who kind of helped you up as you were coming. Do you do you feel uh, compelled or obligated now in some way to be that person for other young musicians? Oh,
1: absolutely, absolutely. You know, uh, I, I recognize the influences that I have uh, to help me grow and evolve musically and personally. And like I tried to uh, allude to before at the beginning of the interview. Um, it's my obligation, you know, to do the same uh, uh, and give back, so to speak, <laughs> to the community <laughs> <laughs> at large, you know. But but I can't give back anything, and and unless I feel that it's worth giving back, so mm. it makes me try to, you know, grow personally and, and musically. They go hand in hand. Yeah. You know.
0: And do you? Uh besides in your teaching do you have an opportunity to play with younger musicians uh, as you move around the world
1: oh yes absolutely absolutely and and i think that's important you know uh, i don't want to uh, uh, just be involved in the band uh, of the golden years <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. You know, I want to see you know some fresh young blood, inspirational. Because there's always going to be something new that I'm not aware of. You know, coming up in the new generations. You know.
0: Yeah, you um, you mentioned your mother who was uh, involved in the original Cotton Club, and mm-hmm. your father was also an entertainer. And then your stepfather, if I'm correct, was a medical mm, doctor, medical right? Doctor. He's so, a
1: doctor to all the f- famous jazz musicians.
0: So it seems like your it's a pretty clear line that you can draw to some of the environmental influences oh, absolutely. that made you who yeah. you are. Yeah, yeah, this is obvious. Yeah, Ray Charles could see that. <laughs> right <laughs> <laughs> One of my favorite things. <laughs> <laughs> but you didn't. Uh, you know, some kids do exactly the opposite of what their folks do. They see, well, this is what my parents do, and this is what I, now I'm going to do this well, thing over. Well, here. Well, you know
1: that that's the reason I became a medical doctor because my stepfather, who was a doctor, he didn't like me. I didn't like him, and he told he used to, he told me when I was 14 years old, when my mother first married him, because my real father died when I was nine. He told me he's a doctor, and that's the closest thing to God. And I'm not smart enough. Uh, I, I'm going to be a bum on the waterfront. I said, Oh yeah, watch. I didn't want to be a doctor. I just wanted to play the trumpet, you know. But the, the the dislike was so much for him that I went out of my way to become a doctor. Isn't that something? No kidding. By negative influence, you know, but it turned out positive. Sure. You know, thank God bless him <laughs> for spurring me on to do that. Did, did that, uh, we don't have to get into your personal history if you
0: don't want to, no, but yeah. did, did that do anything to did you repair that relationship showing that you well, had that discipline well you know after
1: became a doctor you know, he, he staked his medical license that I would never become a doctor and, and I, when I succeeded I remember I got my degree went to his office I said give it up he said, what are you talking about I said your license remember, he said, get out of my house. you're retiring today you know, oh, buddy. <laughs> Well buddy well you know we, we got it was repaired you know then when I joined Herbie Hancock he came to see me I was already a doctor then had my license and everything uh, and he came to see me. but So I quit the hospital and, and went with Herbie Hancock. And, and so as he came to get, he said, I can't understand how you would put being a doctor to, to be a musician. He really wanted to be a musician, but he had no talent. Mm. You know, so I, I said, first of all, uh, uh, that, that's, you're not qualified uh, to, wait, to understand. That's for me to understand. I said, I'm a doctor just like you, but you can't do what I do. He turned red as a beet, and, 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 so it was all. I said, "Oh man, I love you," <laughs> and there was tears were in his eyes. You know, yeah, I felt bad. <laughs> you know, but but good, happy that it was repaired. Then we 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 were on good terms. You know? Yeah, yeah, but I had to do that. Oh, that's you know? so interesting. So if that answers your question. Just sometimes you you go against the parents' parents' wish. Sure, you know? and. Glad I did, you know, because certainly had its benefits, mm. you know.
0: As we uh, draw toward the close here, the, mm-hmm. I kind of ask the same standard final question to everybody, which mm-hmm. is: is, it, is there something not connected to your own work—a book or a film or something—you've heard that uh, that has just grabbed your attention recently? Doesn't have to be jazz-related in any way. It could be anything you've you've read, you've heard, you've seen—something that's just grabbed your attention recently that you just want to mention to other people so they can check it
1: out too mm I can't think of anything other than what we've talked about <laughs> sure you know what what in, in my realm of uh, sphere of orientation mm-hmm. uh, uh, life sphere uh you know i musically i you know I, I see young kids coming up uh who I like the way they play you know naming one uh trumpet player named jeremy pelt sure uh he's uh he's my favorite of the the younger musicians Coming up, and what is it you hear in him that makes I you hear feel that his, way? his his um, talent? I hear him going along the path, like we talked about, and and in this interview here, he's he can emulate Freddie Hubbard, he can emulate Book a little, he can emulate me. Every time I walk in a club, he plays things of <laughs> uh, uh, my stuff that I only I know. I say, Oh, you dirty. <laughs> Like Jerry me, I said, "Okay, I got you." <laughs> <laughs> so he's got a sense of humor, <laughs> sure. <laughs> but 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 he's very talented, very thorough, and, and a, a wonderful human being. You know, very warm person. So all those qualities put together, I see that in him, and I haven't seen it in other younger musicians coming up. They may play good, but but I don't know them, so I really sure I, I can't say they're not as great or greater. You know, but with Jeremy, with personal friends, and and I, I I see all the aspects of of him developing, continuing to open doors. You know.
0: You mentioned a sense of humor. Is a sense of humor? Do you think important to oh, yeah. <laughs> make it through this kind of a
1: life? <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. You got yeah. You, you have to. It's so important when uh, to to be able to laugh at yourself. Mm. You know. And, and 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 that'll get all your hang ups out of the way. Someone said, Hey man, uh if she uh if you wear a wig or whatever, you know, say, yeah, I look at you that's just your wig Say Yeah, take it off, say you it.' <laughs> <laughs> I say that because I used to wear right. a wig. Yeah, says, man, that's not your hair. I said, I bought it you know? <laughs> And then laugh with them. Then they stop messing with me. Right, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so you oh, gotta that's have great. a sense of humor and laugh at yourself sure and that and, and th- that you know takes a lot of weight off your show so you, you, you won't put the wig on then go to a club and so hope nobody says nothing you know right <laughs> <laughs> oh, you know
0: that's great mean. well my guest is uh, the, the non-bewigged and uh, <laughs> quite wonderful Eddie Henderson it's been such a pleasure to talk oh, to you and here, I Jason. really enjoyed it thanks yeah, for being on the show you too man. <laughs> jazz music from the cookers featuring today's guest trumpeter eddie henderson don't forget you can win a copy of the cooker cd signed by all the members of the band if you are the first person to send an email to contest at the with cookers in the subject line i'm jason crane this is the jazz session say it with me won't you presented by AllAboutJazz.com, the web's leading source for jazz news reviews mp3 downloads and more <laughs> i really should just set that to music and then we could have a catchy little theme song we could all sing Like my baloney has a first name. Uh, Please do go out there, if you would, and support live jazz whenever and wherever you can. And then come back next time for another conversation about jazz on the Jazz Session.